Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman, and today I have alongside of me Pete Robertson. What's up, Mac Daddy? I am doing so great. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was strange. I was really loud there. Sorry about that, guys. If I hurt your ears, don't turn down the volume. We'll, we'll soften up a little bit. But I, I'm grateful that we're here. You know, we were talking uh, earlier, Pete, about high school and letting people get the glory to know days. the glory days. Isn't that a song? Are you going to sing yeah. that for us? Bruce Springsteen, the boss himself. <laughs> the boss. Yeah. If you ever want to hear a really good song, go turn that on. The Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen. So I know I'm a little older than you, but I don't, when were you in high school? 88. 88. When'd you graduate? 92. Oh, 88 to 92. Okay. So I'm a lot older than you. I graduated in 85. But so that's why I'm thinking the music. So I, I went. I, but you know I, what, but you know, I was still an '80s child. You're still an '80s. So yeah, the '80s was music. great music. Yes, the best. The best. Yes. What'd you listen to in the '80s? Um, I can tell you. So it's really funny. I know, like in 1981, I me- you remember that uh, song, "Our House in the Middle of yeah, the yeah, Street." Yeah, yeah. Our, that came out in '81, and I remember where I was when I was singing that. Um, and then Madonna was big at that time. Um, I'm trying to say that was uh, early Madonna though, right? Like yeah. like a virgin or material yeah, girl, material or girls, like that. yeah. And then in the mid '80s, our big thing was Whitney Houston. We liked them a lot. Uh, you want to dance with somebody? Yeah, we want to dance with somebody. <laughs> and then Bon Jovi was big too. Yeah, um, back then. But I didn't get really into like Aerosmith. No. Nope. Um, I liked a little bit of Grateful Dead. Um, really? Back I never, in the day. You you may know you may know what I listen to, but. What? And I and I did listen to some Christian music. Stephen Curtis Chapman oh, yeah. back then, Petra, Carmen, uh, Carmen, yeah. yeah. But uh, secular music, I listened to Genesis and and I love uh, Phil Genesis, Collins. love them both, and Chicago, love it. So I was a band geek, right? Yeah. So, Journey, you forgot Journey. Yeah, I wasn't. I what? got more into Journey in the nineties. You know, really? Yeah, I wasn't mm. in the eighties. Not so much. Yeah. Really, when the new singer came in. You were yeah. more in- no, I, I like went back and listened to the to the old stuff. Yeah. So you know what else I liked was, hmm. uh, and this was my very first CD, hmm. a compact disc. You guys should like. <laughs> What's a compact yeah, disc? Right. <laughs> What's a compact? I disc? had an eight track. They didn't come out until the eighties. <laughs> my very first compact disc was Joshua Tree, and yeah. I wore that thing out. Yeah, that's you too. I, I love that CD. Yeah. I mean, that was just it was just a relaxing. It was a great time on the background. I told you about my friend that went to the you, that Joshua Tree. Um, they were in actual Josh Tree, California. That's a it's Palm like a Sp- national park or it's Palm State Springs. Or it's in right? Palm Springs area, and he let, had the um, the concert. He went through it, and um, at the very end of it, Bono gave an invitation to give your life to the Lord. That's, that's this awesome. was way back when, and he gave his life to the Lord at a U two concert. That's he great. doesn't do that now, but back yeah. when he was a Christian, they were a Christian band. Yeah, well, they're they've always been Lutheran, <laughs> so they've always been a little bit on the more liberal I side. That. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I mean, I knew they were a Christian band, but I didn't know. I mean, I know that that's that was their origin. Anybody but. that's listening or like diehard YouTube fans, they can, they're going to call us in. It's like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> 
So but, that was that. But yeah, so I was a bit, I was a band geek, and so I loved anything with horns. So like Chicago, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Sticks. I loved um, all of those. Groups. Man, I could just anything. You Ooh. put you put a trumpet and a trombone in there, and I was gonna listen to it. So. Man, it's that's like us. Christine and I are really big into swing. Back you know twenties and thirties, where there's a lot of band music uh, and swing. A lot of brass. Of, I love that stuff. It's I love so it. good. So yeah. good. We still do that. We go to like uh, you know Epcot, and mm-hmm. they have the, the concerts outside. Mm-hmm. Anytime there's there's a band out there, I just I love it. I, I yeah, I'm with you. I love listening to to uh, live music that way. Really, really cool. Yeah, I was not a band person. I made fun of band people. Yeah, when I was okay. in school, so. I got made fun of a lot. I'm I was a band geek. Yeah, I I was very prideful in high school, and I thought I my stuff stunk better than others. What well, I can say that. Yeah. You it's, were one of the jocks that didn't like it. That picked on us. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I was not. Um, I was very nice to people, though. So people would notice that I took care of the people that were rejected. So people that were mean, other people were mean to. I was the guy that did that. And I think that the reason why is um, Rob Johnson was a friend of mine, and we played. If you guys didn't even know Rob Johnson, he was the NFL quarterback for uh, the Buffalo Bills, Jacksonville Jaguars, and some other ones. And he had a he, he was with Doug Flutie during the time of Doug Flutie and Rob Johnson. That's that's who he is. Well, anyway, he took me under his wings. I was a sophomore, and he was a junior. I believe he's a year older than me. And I remember walking to school one day, and he picks me up in his old Cadillac. He had the he had the old uh, Elvis Presley kind of Cadillac. <laughs> and this guy took me in, and he just me and him became friends. And he always protected me. And he was like the star at that time. And um. So, I mean, I think that's what really stuck to me. I think he impressed me in so much that I then returned their favor to people that looked down on others, and I was always there to help them and to uh, be nice to them. But I was still prideful, and that was, I, I've, I've had to come a long way since that time. <laughs> it was fun. All right. So today we're going to talk about the real reason why demons hate us. This is going to be a fun show. Ooh, that sounds... Kind of creepy. Have you ever had a demon experience? Have you ever met an actual demon? I don't think so. You haven't. You haven't had come face to face. No, I don't think he would be wearing a red suit with horns, right? No, he's not that way. No. But I mean, so I, what Halloween I have then? Have you ever seen demon possession though? You haven't ever seen a person that's been demon possessed? I don't. Well, I say no, but I, I've seen people that are, I don't know that I, you think seen, are. Yeah, where yeah. they're like on the side of the street and they're mumbling yeah. and they're just, you know, you're, the the thought definitely crossed my mind, but. I, I've I never can, really experienced I can that. testify. My wife got to experience I've seen it a little bit more than my wife, but my, I took my wife a while back to India. And we went to like in the middle part of India, like to these villages. And we experienced quite a bit of demon possession there. And um, it was funny is that we've had some people come up to us that were full on demon possessed. And we were looking at a demon and talking to a demon, uh, made every hair in our body curl up and Oof. stand up and we prayed for them christine remember that you're not you're just not you're not listening you're gonna yes i yeah. remember that all right she's on it, it was quite interesting That's freaky intense. and when they say your hair stands up it really truly does because you could feel the presence of that being and i as a when i was in high school another thing that i did was once uh, talking about this i i was we used to, we, you know, they always say, don't play with Ouija boards or don't like do these seances. Don't let Satan enter in. And this is a whole nother show. So what I'm going to say to you is there's truth in this because, you know, as a child of God, we're protected from that. But there are ways to unlock 
uh, doors to be able to get into the cultic world. There are ways or things that we can do to dabble in that. Mm. And um, one of the things I did, um, and it was, you know, again, we were freaking out as, as kids and just acting up, but we did like light as a feather. You ever heard of that? No. Where you, you'd get people around light as a feather, light as a feather, stiff as a board. And you do all these things. And we started lifting people up with our two fingers and, and Ooh, you know, all that kind of things. And then we did like bloody Mary. We look in the, a mirror and we turn around over and over again, bloody Mary, bloody Mary, bloody Mary. Well, I had, we had something that happened to us that was just kind of crazy where we literally were able to raise this one girl up. There was four of us total with one finger underneath her and all of us were able to raise her up. And, and I'm telling you, man, it was the weirdest, most freakiest thing ever. And when you do the Bloody Mary and you turn around 10 times after the 10th time, you see like a blood thing all over the mirror and all that. Now, I think a lot of that was psychological. I think a lot of it was just my mind playing tricks with me and all of that. But the truth of the matter is I had fear. I was scared. And that, my ladies and gentlemen, is where the demonic fear comes in, and spirit is. And so it that was... doesn't sound like something you should be messing around with, Pete. No, and, I, and that's the encouragement to other people. Ouija board is, is a, a gateway to demonic activity. There's, um, you know, there's other things that we can do. Go into a horoscope. Um, again, this is a whole other show, and I, I would have to get my notes on this, but there are there is actual verifiable proof that horoscopes will in, will help you enter into that demonic realm. And so stay away from horoscopes. You don't even read those things. Um, they come from a pagan from a pagan mentality. They come completely from uh, you know the cults and the occultic mentality. So wow. maybe we'll, we'll do so a show you, on that later. What do you say to someone who says, "Well, it's just it's just fun. We're just you're just doing it for fun." Maybe that's your mindset going into it. You know, but Satan, you can allow Satan to get into your doors. It's the same thing with anything. We know because God is protecting us as the Holy Spirit. But if I'm going to go ahead and bring porn into my house. Well, I'm bringing in the the ugliness. I'm bringing in demonic spirits within that porn. That God doesn't have any part of that. But if you don't want Satan in your house, you don't want things. You don't bring stupid things into your house. You leave it out. You don't, run away from it. Don't you. give him a foothold. It just makes common sense. Jeez. Now we don't upset. All right. So he's mad at me, guys. He's not mad at you. It's all good. <laughs> I'm joking. All right. So well, let's go ahead. Um, let me pray. Or oh, you go ahead and yeah, pray, pray. And then we'll get to go. All right. all right. Father, thank you for, again, this podcast. We thank you for this time we have to dive into uh, into your word, into this into this topic that uh, I think uh, we, we don't talk about often enough. I think it's something that's easily overlooked by the uh, churchgoers and Christians in America. Lord, I, I, I pray that it opens some eyes to um, you know, reality and what's going on out there, Father. Um, we just want to learn. We want to draw closer to you and understand these these footholds that uh, Satan can use to, to, to get in and try to kill, steal, and destroy, which is his ultimate goal. So, Father, we love you. Um, we look forward to what you're going to do with this show. Bless our listeners. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's do our opening statement, All right, and let's so just get it going. The title is, what is the, real, what is the real Reason Demons Hate Us? Yep. But before we can answer that, we must build some context. Content. <laughs> context, I can't speak, Me as neither. to why that is. <laughs> we know God has a plan for every nation on this earth. In addition, he also has a plan for every man, woman, and child on this planet. By comparison, Satan has an agenda as well. He has an in, in, intri- intricate. <laughs> he has an intricate. <laughs> Man, you got me tongue-tied. 
he has an intricate plan for every nation and every person. Um, as it is said in John 10:10, 10, 10, to kill, steal, to steal, kill, and destroy. Yep. This is a larger picture at hand than most people even realize. This battle is invisible, and it is happening all around us. Our goal in today's podcast is to clarify this larger picture as well as uncover why Christians are being spiritually attacked and what to do to counter it. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and just say it right now. So what we're going to talk about on this show is it's it's the battle of turf. There, there's a turf war, and I think that if you're listening to this today, I, I try to understand this that God has, wants us to take back what is his. And we're going to explain what is that all about. We, that's, that's the goal. And Satan does not want us to have make any, any ground there. He does not want us to be used by God to take back what is his. So that's, that's it in the nutshell. We're now going to break that down. We're going to explain what the heck we're talking about and we're going to use scripture. We're going to use verses to help bring that to life. So you can kind of think of it as a battlefield. That's it. It is. That's an easier way to kind of picture what's going on, but it's not physical. It's a, it's a spiritual battlefield. So the battlefield, this, it, this is how it started. So Acts 1, 8, we're going to talk about this. It started in Jerusalem. That's where the battlefield field start and 99.9 percent of the planet was satan's okay one <laughs> percent whatever was is israel jerusalem why is that? because of the chosen one, that's right? why they were set apart and we're going to explain that so the majority of the land was controlled and owned by satan and if anybody watches the news you know that that is true okay so that's so just try to comprehend that try to understand that now let's go ahead and break it down the reason why demons hate us has to has to do with the larger picture at hand and that is there is a battle for geographical territory we will explain more of this, but before we read Genesis 11.1 1, that explains this, let's remember that God intended for his creation, what he intended for his creation from the beginning. Before the fall of Adam, being removed from the Garden of Eden, God made our planet Earth as a way to fellowship with his creation for all eternity. That's not change. God desires to have fellowship with all of mankind. He's always wanted that. He's constantly been pursuing that. So we have to understand that. Sin is what separated man from God because after all, God is holy. All of creation changed after that and God went to plan B. Well, everybody asks, well, why did God have to go to plan B? Why did, why did all that? Because God is a good God. He allowed man to have a choice. If God made man to be a robot and said, hey, you have to serve me a certain way. You have to do things this way. And, and they don't give him a choice. Then is that really love? But because God gave man choice, now that is true love. And so man chose, unfortunately, to sin and to turn their back and rebel against God's holiness. And so God then went to plan B. And as we read throughout the Old Testament, plan B has always pointed people to Jesus as the redeemer to Adam's original sin. If we wanted to break that down, we would break that down in Romans and and Paul goes through that and talks about that. But due to sin, something happened that caused God to reject mankind. It started in Genesis 6, 1 through 4, then Noah's flood, then the fulfillment of this tur- of the turning with the Tower of Babel. All right. So do you want to talk about the Nephilim in Genesis 6, 1 4? What do you know of that? I think we've talked about it on the show before, too. Where yeah. You know, just re- it's one of those places in the Bible where... Uh, you kind of just read over it, or I have in the past just read over it, and it just nothing. It just you just miss it. You yeah. just miss it. You yeah. just go over the top of it. But but 
some of my memories of our discussions, or because I've asked about the giant, you know, that uh, the, uh, David's giant, right, yeah. the Goliath, yeah. that he was somehow related to those folks and stuff. But apparently, there were giants that that ruled the land or walked the land back in in Genesis time. So wait, this is before Abraham. Um, and then, but they they were they found our women to be attractive, yep. and and they started uh, reproducing with our women, is and it- cr- almost created like another species right yep so from studying we don't have time to go in it today i'm going to actually write a book on this and, and get into this more but from study this is what we know god all of a sudden god shut the door to garden of eden and man just started living their life and god put over uh the human beings his creation watchers okay watchers as it says you'll see this in daniel 4 so if you go to daniel 4 you're going to see the word watchers there Watchers, their responsibility from study we understand is that they were they were to watch after the people, to help the people, to keep order with the people. That was their job. They were angels. And anybody, we're going to do a show just on angels, and we're going to reference this show so people understand when we're talking about angels, that's what we're going to be talking about. But they watched them, and these watchers liked women, human women. And then in Genesis 6 through 1 through 4, if you read that, they had sex or intercourse with human kind, with human women. And then they had offspring from that, and that's where the Nephilim come from. Okay? That is a great sin, people. God is not for that. That is not good. And so God looked at man at that time. It's like, oh my gosh, they are so corrupt. And from there, he started looking at Noah, and it says the sins were so bad that the whole world was basically corrupt. And so God's like, done with this. Let's start new. And that's why the flood had to come. It had to come to stop this this Genesis 6, 1 through 4 uh, problem. So he had to kill out all the old, all the giants that happened on the earth. And then he flooded them out. And the giants, what happened is what the Israelites believed. So Second Temple Theology. So if you, you want to know what they believed and how they read the Bible, they believed that those evil spirits, the demonic, the people that were demonic activity, came from the Nephilim. So those giants, when they died, their spirit went on because they're both human and they're both spirit. So they went, they went on and that's where the demon possession came. All the Israelites believed that. When you read their theology, when you read what they, what they studied and what they believed, that's what was being said. So God looked at earth. He saw the Nephilim. He saw that was bad. He, he wanted to flood the earth. And so they flooded the earth. And then after the flood of the earth, it happened again. And that is where we're going to pick up today with the Tower of Babel. And so they, God told uh, Noah, he says, go ahead and po- populate the earth again. And, and Noah's children went out and they started populating the earth. And then lo and behold, they, were, they did something wrong again. And so we're going to talk about that in the Tower of Babel. And that is the next great sin. And mm. that is what we're going to be getting into talking about dividing the territory. And so what we understand the, <clears throat> the territory, this is where it's going to explain it. Go ahead. Okay, so Genesis 11. Now the, whole, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and they had tar for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top reaches to the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Then Yahweh came down to see the city and the tower that humankind was building. And Yahweh said, Behold, they, have, they are one people with one language, and this is, the, this is only the beginning of what they will do. 
So now nothing that they intend to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there, so that, so that they will not understand each other's language. So Yahweh scattered them from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel. For there Yahweh confused the language of the whole earth, and there Yahweh scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Okay, so here's a fascinating thing. I don't think a lot of people know this, but when you go back through the history books, okay, and you look at the beginning of civilization, the beginning of time, you look at the Chinese, you look at the Egyptians, you look at the Greeks, you look at all these different civilizations, and you're going to find that the beginning of their writings, the beginning of their architect, the beginning of their, all of that starts right after the Tower of Babel. So that is where God brought and he started and he, he dispersed the people all around the world and he created different languages. He created different cultures at that time. So they're all, all in the same timeline. It's all in the same timeline. Yeah. It's right after that. Okay, so what is happening? This is some really cool things to unpack. Yahweh came down to see the city. This is not, you know, Yahweh said, and I heard it in my heart or my spirit. No, Yahweh is there. Okay, this is, again, a Christophany. This is God in the flesh here. You know, that's really cool. I mean, a lot of people might just overlook that. No, this is Yahweh came down. You know what caught me? Who's what? he talking to? And he said, Yahweh said, behold, there are one people with one. Who's he talking to? That is the council. And we'll get into that. And that's a whole nother thing. There's a council of God that's happening. You here. keep adding shows. I know that's <laughs> going to be a whole nother topic. And we can't get into that now. But there is a council that is with God. And he's talking to him because he's talking about us. And he's talking about multiple people. And But Yahweh, make no mistake, Yahweh is God, the most high God. God. Okay, there is the most high God, and that is Yahweh. Okay, so that's what's going on here. And then he says, Yahweh scattered them all over the face of the earth. So I asked the question, well, how what does that mean exactly? And and we have to, we want to use scripture to help under help us understand the Bible in context. And so when when I asked that question, it brought me to Deuteronomy 32, 8 through 9. And in this kind of goes to what he's talking about, about um, scattering the whole earth. It says this, when the most high, okay, again, Yahweh gave to the nations their inheritance. What inheritance? What nations? See, so it goes back to right after the Tower of Babel, what happened? He scattered the whole earth over the face of the whole earth. Okay, so now we go to Deuteronomy 38. This is a, a song of Moses. So anybody that reads Deuteronomy 32, is a, it's a song of Moses. Moses wrote this. He says, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance. Okay, so the whole nations, the whole earth, their inheritance. What inheritance? That's what we're going to talk about. When he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. That word God is Elohim. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. So when you read that, what are you thinking, Bob? What do you see in that? Any thoughts? How's he talking about Jacob? I mean, because, Jacob is, I mean, that, so is he talking about the future Israel? Yes, he is. So that's just fascinating. So yes. Because this is hundreds of years before, yes. before Jacob yes. exists. Yes. So that's really, that's what caught my eye. Yes. All right. So what's happening here? So God is saying that the, the earth has been given an inheritance, okay? He says, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. What he's talking about in the number of the sons of God is sons of Elohim. These are watchers. These are people. These are divine beings. These are divine beings that are going to be overseeing the nations. That's so what it's saying. So they each have a little territory kind of? That's, they do. They have the land. They have the world. Okay. And who's the God of the world? 
Satan. Satan. All right. We know that because the Bible says that in context. We're going to get into it more. But from there, but the Lord's portion is his people. Right after Genesis 11 is Genesis 12. <laughs> Who knew? But guess what Abraham. it's talking about? It's talking about Abraham. Right after he called, he divided and he t- he basically rejected mankind. He says, wait a minute, I'm keeping a little piece for myself. But I'm going to keep a piece for myself. So we understand. So it's, there's ter- it's a territory. It's a fight. It's Israel versus the world. We know that through the whole Old Testament. Okay? We get that. All right. So the verse speaks to, to God disinheriting the nations as his people. Before that, that were God's all people. He was talking to all people, but the but he basically says, dude, the sin is so bad. He turned his back. He rejected the people. He rejected. He says, I'm going to plan B. Plan B is I'm going to bring the Messiah. So once again, I can get back all receive all the people unto myself. But there's a there's a process that took place. And let's get into that a little bit. So we find the equivalent of this in Romans 1, 18 through 25. Paul talks about people being in a persistent rebellion. So the whole world was basically rebelling against God. You want to read that next statement and we'll get into Yeah, Yahweh, in effect, decided that the people of the world's nations were no longer going to be in a relationship with him. He would need to begin anew. He would then call Abraham in Genesis 12 and enter into a covenant relationship with a new people that did not yet exist, Israel. Okay, keep reading. Go ahead. Okay, after the call of Abraham, we now start seeing the word Gentiles showing up in Scripture. Galatians 3 7 through 9 says, Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are of sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. All right, so Abraham at that time is probably thinking this. Okay, all right, I'm, I'm trying to understand this. So Abraham understood that, okay, the rest of the world is not cannot come to God. Only through my seed can that happen. So only through the people and, and God raising up a religion within us and God doing that. So Abraham's thinking, okay, I see that, and but he's not seeing completely the Messiah. He he understands that, okay, the, all the nations some way are going to come. He never got to experience the final nail in the coffin. And that is what happened. We're going to get into the fulfillment of Jesus at the end. But Abraham is, he's telling Abraham at this time that I have not forgot about the world. I have not. Abraham, even though you understand that I've rejected or turned my back on the world, I have not. But I first need to establish my nation. I first need to establish my people. And from my people, I'm going to save the whole world once again. And so that's what's going on, okay? And so Zechariah 14, 9 says, The Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. So again, Zechariah, the prophet, the minor prophet, he's saying, all right, I know that you might, through my nation, all the people, I'm going to bless all the people again. But we have to understand that as of right now, the people are rejected. The, the, the land is, God has turned his back on the world. He has only chosen the nation of Israel for salvation. So anybody that wants to become salvation, they have to come unto God. There was a show that we did a while back talking about the Gentiles. When they baptized people, they would baptize Gentiles into the, into the Israel faith. Well, they believe that the whole world can come to know God, but they have to come through the Israel faith. Okay, so that's what's going on. And now he's saying that the whole world is going to come. And they're like, well, how the heck is that going to happen, right? So they're, the prophets are all trying to process all this, but it's laying the groundwork. Everything is always pointing to the Messiah. 
Everything is always pointing back to Jesus. That's what's happening here. Thoughts? Again, I, I think we talked about this last week, but that goes back to the picture of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. God was giving him a picture of what he's going to do in the future. Yes, there's I'm, always a foreshadowing going on. On the same mountain, too, by the yes. way. Yes. Yeah, it's, that's crazy. Yeah. There's, there's, when you read the Old Testament, if you understand what's going on, you have to see it from this eyes. You have to understand that God is for his people, he's raising up a nation, and that he has rejected the world. But through him, through the Messiah, they can come. They can come to him, but he rejected the sin. He, t- he did it. He gave it over to the, to the Satan. He gave it over to the demonic spirits. The, and so when you ask the question, why do, say, why do demons hate you? Well, they hate you because you are, you are uh, wanting to take back the land that God said that we we're able to do. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. So let's go into our transition statement, and then we'll dig deeper into that. Yeah, and this is kind of what you just said. So take us back to our original question, why do demons hate Christians? It's because we are, we are now on a mission with Jesus to take back territory that God redeemed as rightfully his. So we need to break that down a little bit more. Yeah. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in their case, the God of this world was blind, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. I, I kept thinking of this verse, Pete, what, reading some of your comments in, in, the, in, the, in the Facebook page. Yeah. So that, that, this verse kept popping back up in my mind. Yeah. So let me read it again. In their, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. All right. So anybody that's a believer, what happened was, again, Jesus came. Jesus fulfilled all the requirements for salvation. All right, the Israelites were not able to fulfill that. They had to sacrifice, and it was, you know, we've talked about it when we were doing John, I think, one back in the days. We're going to talk about sacrifice, that the sin, what they had to constantly keep coming back and sacrificing for their sins and, and over and over again, and, and they had to live right, and they had to do all these things. But Jesus came, and he fulfilled all of that. So Jesus lived the perfect life. Jesus lived the the sacrificial life. He was the Lamb of God, the, the perfect uh sacrifice and then he died once and for all so that all of the world now can come to be, come to the Lord. So remember before it was through it was through the line of Israel, there's through the line of David that the king the Messiah would come and so here he is, he's on the scene and now because of his death, burial and resurrection, it now opens up the door for all the Gentiles now to believe and to be saved for all eternity. And so Satan at that time did not like this. Satan's like, whoa, what are you doing? What is happening? You know, remember when he, uh, Jesus went over to the garrison uh, and to the demon-possessed man, he went across the, the land. He's like, what do you have to do with us, Most High? And he's sitting there talking to him and says, I know, is our time yet come? Are we supposed to, are we going to hell for all eternity? And God didn't answer him. He didn't respond to him. But he looked at him and he says, no, and it's like, can we at least, you know, go into the pigs instead? And so he allowed him to go into the pigs. Um, because they, they, he knew that their time had not come, but he allowed, he allowed the demonic and he allowed these presents to, um, in our lives. So it helps us to realize we need a savior. Hmm. Can you imagine if, if he took all of that away? Cause people ask, well, why didn't they take all the demons away? Well, he allows this stuff to keep order and to keep 
the um, the people trusting in him and to believing in him and understanding him that there is an opposition. There is a God wants us to do one thing and and um, and Satan wants us to go against us. And then, you know, but one day this will all be done one day at the very end. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Every every person will will confess either God is for him or not. Or if they believed in him or not. And then Satan will be cast into hell for all eternity. So that's what's happening here. So Satan does not want the believers to know the light of the gospel. He wants to distract. He wants to confuse. He wants to do everything that is possible. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So if we break that down and we don't have time and I'm kind of rushing a little bit through this, but if we break that down, what Paul is talking about is different spiritual rulers over the earth that are opposed to God's ruling party. So God, there's different rulers. There's, there's against the rulers. What rulers? Against the authorities? What authorities? Against the cosmic powers? What cosmic powers? These are all different levels of spiritual demonic activity. And these are all different parts of darkness that are around the world today. All right. So there's, there is a opposition to us because we carry, we're light carriers of the gospel to the world. There's an opposition to keep darkness reigning. And so every time that we want to promote the gospel, every time that we want to share God's truth, Satan will do whatever he can to distract us and to keep us busy and occupied doing something else. Thoughts? Are there forces for good also? Yes, angels. That's the other show that we need to talk about. Are there's those angels. The is that when you? Yeah. Well, there's angels. It says the Bible says in Hebrews that we might entertain angels. You never know when you're going to entertain angel. An angel's whole responsibility is to be of service to us. Is to help us. Is to is to get us to where we need to go. Right? We have a job. We're going to take back land. We're going to share God's truth. The angels are there to empower us, to help us, to remove obstacles. And so we, that's part of the grace that God has given us. So we need to call out and say, God, I need help. Well, unleash your angels, oh Lord, and bring it. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that and get into that show. So, all right, let's get into um, the next statement, Matthew 4.8. You got it. Um, Matthew 4.8, where the devil tempted, remember in Matthew 4.8, where the devil tempted Jesus to give him all of the world. Let's read it. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. So I, you have to ask the question, why in the world would Satan say that? How is that even possible? How is that true? I thought this is God. No, you got to remember. Yeah, he's got his flag planted there. You got to remember. Yeah. Deuteronomy 32, 8, 9, what God said. He says he gave the inheritance to the world, to the rest of the people. And Paul and the rest of the believers believe that the God of this world is Satan. So Satan is basically saying a truthful thing. All you have to do is just bow down. I'm going to give you the, I'll give you the world right now. Hmm. But he had to sin. He had to give in. And Jesus responded, you do not tempt your Lord, your God. Remember he said right after that? Yeah, because it's not God's will. Nope, that's not it. It wasn't his timing. That's not it. I mean, it is, it's funny because it it is his will. He does want Jesus to, to conquer it and bring it all back. But that, that's not the way God wants to do it. It also showcases to us that Satan is going to use certain lies to try to tempt us to not fulfill the promises and the purposes of what God wants for our lives. And so the way that Jesus responded to the temptation is responded with scripture. The same way that we respond to temptation from Satan is, is to do that because we have a plan. God created you. Listen, if you're listening, believer, and you're hearing this, God created you to take back land. 
He, he wants to empower you. He wants to give you the tools. He wants to give you everything necessary to go and kick Satan's booty. That's it. He, he, he says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. You have authority and power to, to destroy him. Romans 16 says that we crush him beneath our feet. <laughs> Satan does not have power, okay? Understand this, and we are to take back. If we're sitting watching TV all day, and not out sharing God's truth. If we're not out sharing the love of God with other people and discipling other people, we are not in service of God, period, period. But if we are, and we're serious about this, and we're equipping ourselves, we're studying, we're readying ourselves, and we're available to God, and we're going out, and we're sharing God's truth with other people, we are doing the service of God. And if you're doing that, Satan doesn't like it. And the real reason why Satan's coming against you is because he does not want you to take back the land. It's his land. He does not want to give it to you. So good. All right. Next thought. Why did Jesus in Matthew 28, 19 say, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit? Why didn't he tell that to the, to the Israelites before? Why is he telling that now to the New Testament church? That's the question. So he's telling them, go into all nations. Why didn't he just tell the Israelites, hey, go into all nations and baptize them? He didn't say that. No. No. He's telling us now because he's taking back the land. He won. He's victorious. This is when Jesus is getting ready to ascend. He's telling his people, listen, you have a game plan. Here it is. This is a command for me. This is your game plan. I have now overcome the world. Because before that, they're living under the law. That's now, it. Now there's a new covenant. Now it's different. That sin has been defeated. Yes, it has. Yeah. Yep. And so now in me, anyone that he says, anyone that believes in me can be saved. I, it's my name. I am the one that defeated Satan. I'm the one that's victorious here. And so now because of that, and I now live in you, now you are to fulfill and to carry on what I started. Hmm. And remember he said that you go and you're going to be able to do even greater things than what I've done? Right. Well, we are because of what we have, the technology and a lot of the things that we are being given. Jesus didn't have it back there in that time, but we have it. And so here it is. Jesus is telling, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have to understand that is your purpose, Christian. That is your marching orders. That is what you are supposed to do. You need to go to the world. You need to share God's truth. God will give you the full armor of God. He will give you the protection. He will give you the tools. He will give you the wisdom. He will give you the knowledge. He will give you the strength. He will give you everything to be victorious. But you have to have the mindset and you have to have the game plan in play. That's good. Pete, I think a lot of people, they hear that and they're like, so I have to I have to quit my job and be a missionary and move somewhere. No. Nope. No. Do it where God has placed yeah. you. Use the platform God has put you in and, and do it there. That's it. That's, that's what we need. I mean. All right, so God wants to take back land. He doesn't tell his disciples the last order he gives them. says, hey, take back land. I mean, he's telling them to take back land because they understood Deuteronomy 32, 8, 9. The Israelites at that time understood that God rejected all of mankind. He understood that he has now fulfilled the the requirements necessary to now take back the land. That's why it's so important to read this in context. That's it. You've got to understand where they're they're coming from. That's it. All right, let's read Acts 1, 8. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. All right, so God is now telling us where plan B starts. Yep. Where does it start? Uh, starts in Jerusalem. That's it. So it started. Jesus, God called in Genesis 12, God called Abraham to be a nation. God, Genesis 11, God, God separated the territory. He, re, he rejected the, the mankind and the sin. He says, no, but my people, and through my people, 
I'm going to bring salvation to the world. And so here it is in Jerusalem, Judea. So our Jerusalem's our backyard. Our Judea is our state. You know, our, the ends of the world, our Samaria is, is our country. And the ends of the world is the world. So we, we have the same obligation before. We need to first share and witness to our backyard. We need to disciple people in our backyard. And then we need to do, be involved with things that are affecting our, our state and our, our country. We need to be involved in politics. I know that's that's something like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you. Yes, we do. <laughs> we need to bring biblical value to politics. Yes, amen. So, I mean, if you're listening to this and God, you feel is calling you to politics, do it. Just do not waver or give in to the temptations that the world's going to try to present you. Yeah, Your it, job is to bring back land, to take back land. If you win, make sure you surround, well, do it anyway. Surround yourself with godly people because yeah. DC will steal your soul if you let it. I mean, but think about it. So it's, is if you're in politics too, I mean, you, again, what is your, what is your game plan? What is your roadmap? What is your marching orders? Your marching orders is to take back land. Yes. So everything that you do is to be centered in. How is this going to bring God glory? How is this going to, to elevate his name? How is this going to make him famous? Everything that you're thinking is in that light. And so that's what we need in politics. We need we people to do that. We need to show love. All right, let's get into the next transition. All right, statement. so now we understand the larger picture in context. Satan does not want Christians to share God's good news with other people. He will do everything in his power to stop you. So how do we respond to Satan when he attacks? We in the same way, uh, we in the same way that Jesus did, we tell him to get behind us. Matthew 16, 23 says, But he turned and he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Wow. So what is that saying, Bob? Well, he's just stay focused on the goal. Your goal is to take back land. And Satan, like we were talking about earlier, Satan will try to stand between you and doing that. So that's why he's saying, get behind me. So you know? if you if you got marching orders, are you moving forward or moving backwards? Forward. We're moving forward. Yes. If if God is telling us to go into the world, we are to go. Go is the action word, right? right? All right, that's a verb. We're to, we're to do something. So if we're doing something for Jesus, and we're 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 equipping ourselves, we're preparing ourselves, and we're going out, and we we say, all right, God, we're going to take back land. We're going to disciple people. We're going to love people. We're going to speak life to people. We're going to share our faith with people. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to point people to Jesus. We're going to do all of those things. In that time, in those moments, Satan will show up some way, somehow. He will pop his ugly head up, and he will look at you, and it might be your wife, it might be your husband, it might be your kid. It might be your neighbor. It might be your friend. There will be something that will come against you to distract you. Wait, you, you mean Satan will just let us just go take the ground back? No way, baby. And, <laughs> and, and so he's going to distract you. And so when that happens, you're on a mission for God. God is for you. Nothing can be against you. You're on a mission from God. When that happens, you look at that situation. You say, get behind me, Satan. You just broke you, out some blues, brother. You there. have you have no power. <laughs> you have no authority over my life. And I'm telling you, you have victory. Amen. Do not allow Satan to win. You, you are, do what Jesus you did. You are on a mission from God. I love it. That's it. All right, 1 Peter 5 what does that say? It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So if I'm drunk, what happens? If I'm not sober-minded. 
Um, then you're you're just giving Satan a foothold. Yeah, I, I, I like that it says like a roaring lion. He doesn't say he is a roaring lion. Yeah, he's gonna come across as a roaring. He has because he has no power unless we give it to him, right? That's it. I mean, again, he can he can distract you. So I mean, let's just talk about so like say for instance we're we're walking holy, we're we're living our best life now, we're going out, we're sharing a word, we're sharing truth, and and God and Satan knows your playbook. And he goes, okay, well, let me see what happens. And what does so, that mean? He knows your playbook. So he's going to pull out something that will get you defeated. He's going to pull out something in your uh, where your flesh is strong. He knows your weakest link. He knows it. Yeah. And so he's going to pull something out. So like maybe women are the issue. And all of a sudden, God, Satan's going to bring someone in your life that's going to talk friendly to you or do something. And if he gets you distracted from your playbook, he wins. From his God's playbook, he wins. Right. So he, But we have to be sober-minded, and I think this is very key. And, and the Bible talks about being ready in season and out of season. We have to constantly be aware and at, uh, and at our best at all times. And that means eating healthy, working out, making sure our bodies are correct, making sure that we're not putting certain things into ourselves, that we're constantly at the highest level. Because if we're not ready and we're not sharp, out of nowhere, Satan will come and deceive us. Hmm. And so that's what it's talking about. Because we lose focus. You have to get the game plan up again. What is our purpose? To take back land. Romans 16, 20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So what is that talking about grace there? Remember we talked about this in the shows quite a while back. We're seeing grace. Do you remember? I think grace was the, it's our, it's our power. It's, it, it gives us the, it gives us the power, right? Yeah. So, so he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan. So God's peace, meaning that God in our heart, we have peace resting and trusting in him, hmm. right? So we know that. And by trusting and knowing that God is victorious, we have peace. So that will crush Satan. He has no power over us because he wants us to worry. He wants us to fear. He wants us to fret. But he's already defeated. All foe. of that. And then it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So now, as you said, the grace is our power. So we become, so God says, you need strength, call out, I'll give you strength. You need the angels unleashed, call out, I'll unleash the angels. You need wisdom, call out, I will give you wisdom. You need strength, call out. Those are God's grace. That's his tools that he's given us. So he's telling us that whatever you need, our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. Wow. Did you see that? It's exciting. You, what are that you over good. there talking? <laughs> 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 All right, let's go to our next part. All right, another question to ask is this. Why does Satan continue to attack if he has already been beaten? Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So why is, why is Satan still attacking? Because he knows his time is limited. Misery loves company? That's it. He knows his time is limited. Yeah. He knows that once every—he he wants to slow the process as much as possible. Because he knows that, uh, he goes, once everybody hears the gospel, once everybody in the planet, and right now because of technology, we're able to do that. The podcast, we have listeners all over the world right now. Amen. Listen to this. And so because of that, Satan does not want there to be a victory for God. So he's doing whatever he can before, well, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah so he's just trying goes. to stay, he's yeah. trying to stay on the playground as long as he can. That's it. He knows he's defeated. That's but- it. Yep, that's right. it. Dad's calling him, but he's, uh, yeah, he's going to stay there as long as he can. In Matthew 25, 41, it says, Jesus said, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire. Depart for the devil and his angels. Thanks. So, so Satan knows that's the end. Jesus said it out of his own words. He says, you are cursed and you are going to eternal fire for all eternity. 
So Satan's like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So, <laughs> But he knows it. Yeah. But and and again, he is allowing it to continue on now because, again, it's God's free choice. If God took away the demonic spirits and all of the evils and he's just made us a robot, do we have a choice? No. All right. How, if God just made us one way and he had no, no opposition, none of it, do we need to lean on God's power? No. Do we need to lean on his strength? No. No. Do we need to cry out for wisdom and help? No. No. And you, Be, you, something else? What? If you're a robot, can you love? No. You, you, he takes all out of the way. So Can't that is it. the reason. But one day, God is going to create a new heaven and earth. One day, just like it was in the Garden of Eden, we are going to spend eternity fellowshipping with him. So one day, it's going to happen. The Bible is very clear there. But right now, in the meantime, we are to take back land, and we're going to face opposition. It is what it is. All right. Next statement. Okay. Spiritual warfare happens to Christians that are on a mission with Jesus to take back land from Satan. If we are not on a mission for Jesus, then why would Satan care about attacking you? Right. He wouldn't. But for those that are on a mission for Jesus, there is or there are different levels of attacks. For those that are not fully committed to God's mission, all Satan has to do is simply uh, send temptation our way or distract you. If he can get you focusing on your problems or your wants or your desires, then he wins. So again, so there's, there's different levels. So if we're not fully equipped... Okay, so we might in our heart say, hey, I believe in Jesus. I believe in uh, that I'm to take back land. I believe that I'm to disciple people and so forth. But we're not in our word and studying. We're not in a consistent prayer life. We are still um, cussing out our spouse. We're still angry at the world. We're still living in a way that's not fruitful. Then what will happen is, even though in our heart and our minds we understand and we believe the truth, what will happen is, because Satan knows your playbook so well, he's going to send that distraction and it's going to get you chasing your tail. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you got that next pay raise. And, or you got that new job. Out of nowhere, you got someone that says, hey, do you want to go on a vacation? Or out of nowhere, you're going to have something happen to you that's going to get you off what your purpose was. And then you're going to start just dis being distracted with that. And you're going to be justified and say, well, this is what God's saying in my life. And you're really not really hearing God, but you're just fulfilling your flesh. Mm. And so that's what's happening. All right, what's the next one? Okay, but for those that have surrendered all of their lives to Jesus's mission, then Satan will do everything in his power to destroy you. He will bring as much pain to your life as uh, we allow him to. Remember, make no mistake that Satan knows your playbook backwards and forwards. He knows the temptations and the weaknesses we have and will use them against you. Okay, so I, I don't like this one, and not many of us do, but does anybody have read the book of Job? The book and, of Job, yeah. And, and have you read the book of Job? I, you know, some people call it job. That's, a, that's that uplifting, yeah. cheerful book in the Old Testament, right? Yeah, cheerful, uplifting book in the Old Testament where Job got his life taken from him. Where his whole family's killed. He, and, yeah. yeah. So there are moments in our life where a, a diagnosis with cancer could happen. Now, I'm not, not, I'm not going to say that, hey, that's Satan doing that. I'm not going to go that far. But Satan can use it. And, and, or something else that might come up in a bad way, a broken leg, a bad car accident, a whatever. And again, I'm not saying that this is what Satan's happening, but I promise you because of life, Satan will use it and he will come down hard in those moments. You will question your faith. You will question your sanity. You will question your next steps. He will bring things into your life to cause confusion 
whatever he can. So any of those big situations, and if you're walking with the Lord faithfully, do not go into life blind. Do not think that there's not going to be opposition. Hmm. You know, that's why Ephesians 6, it's so important to memorize that. We must equip ourselves with the full armor of God. We must be ready in season and out of season. That's why Peter said, be sober-minded. Always be alert. Always be a knowing that Satan, you know, I, I tell my girls and my son when they're driving, I says, you have to be a defensive driver. You always assume someone's going to run the red light. You always assume they're going to get over on the line and they're going to hit you. You always assume someone's going to walk out in front of you. You just assume ahead of time so that you're defensive. You're ready for whatever comes at you. The same thing goes with being a Christian and walking with the Lord. Good analogy. Yeah. All right, next part. Well, here's some good news. John 16, 33 says, I have said these things to you that in you, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That is huge for me because everything that Satan tried to throw at Jesus, he overcame it. Yep. And when Jesus overcame it, he then, when he died and he rose again, he says, I now breathe on you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is empowered inside of us. And I now give you the tools to be able to do exactly what I was able to do. And that is through grace and that is his mercy. And so because of that, we then are able to achieve victory because of what Jesus did. All right. Next one. What yeah, we, we must understand that God is for us and Satan Satan is against us. God wants us to be on a mission with him in everything that we do. He will always give us the tools necessary to accomplish his perfect will in our lives. We must tell Satan to get behind us and know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And uh, let me let me leave you one, one more verse, Pete, that I, I think was just really encouraging. It's in 2 Corinthians 4. Starting at verse 16, it says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I love it. And I, and I, and again, it's an encouragement to us to understand that God is always at work and he is never leaves us or never forsakes us. And it's, you know, is, I think we get distracted or we get off as Christians is because we forget what God's commandment was to us. And now that we understand the Bible in context, now that we heard that there is a land war. Now that we understand there's a turf war and that, that God is wanting to take back his land. That's his, you know, he, he created it from the beginning. It's his, but, but now Satan is defeated. And now we have an obligation and a duty to go into the world and make disciples to go share God's truth and love. The world is hurting. They might not know it, they might come at you as our Facebook uh, our Facebook post of show. They might right. hate you. They might throw bad things at you. They just, you know, Jesus said on the cross, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. They're blind. They don't know, but I know, and I'm going to love, and that's what I choose. I'm going to share God's word with them because I know it set me free. And if it set me free, it's going to set them free. Amen. And so I've lived by this, and, and anybody that has lived by the word of God Anybody that has put all of their faith in God and trusted in the word and believed in Jesus and surrendered to him knows that everything that we're saying on this podcast is true. 
because the word of my testimony proclaims it. And there's nothing that can ever separate me from him. And so because of that, I have peace. I have joy. I have understanding. I have a mission that I take very seriously. And because of Jesus, I'm going forward. And I pray that if you're listening to this podcast today and you're not moving forward, maybe you're on the sideline, maybe you're not in the game, maybe you're not equipping yourself to be able to uh, and ready yourself to go out into the world and share the truth and to share the gospel with your friends, with your neighbors, with your coworkers. Um, Maybe you're not just, maybe you're just not you know, don't even know. But now you see the big picture. Now you heard today that, that no, there's, there's a turf war going on and I have a role in this. Bob, you gave an illustration earlier about Rocky Balboa in the movie. And he said that, you know, at the very top of the, you know, Rocky was moving in Pennsylvania. He was, he was climbing the stairs. He's going to the top and all these people were following Rocky. And he says, you know, the famous person is, is Rocky, not the people. We're just the people. We're the, we're the people climbing the stairs. And the famous one is Jesus. And all of us have a role to play. And our role to play is to share with our neighbor, to love our neighbor, to pray for our neighbor, to speak life to our neighbor, to, to, to go out of our way to serve our neighbor, to go out of our way to love our spouse, to go out of our way to teach our children the things of God. And, and we have that. And if you want that and you don't have that, you can do it today. And if you're listening and you want to give your life to the Lord and you want to repent of your sins and you want to just turn, you can just pray in your heart, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I choose today to surrender my life to you. I choose to believe in you. I choose to turn away from my sins. I choose to believe that you died and rose again on the third day. I believe that you're God. I believe that you're victorious. And I believe that in you, I can have hope in eternal life. And, 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 and you just say that in your heart. And if you believe that, Jesus said in the word of God that all the angels in heaven will rejoice because of what you just did. That proclamation. And then Jesus also says in in John, he says, if you will confess me before man, I will then confess you before my father in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I too will deny you before my father in heaven. And if that, if you've given your life and it's true, God tells us that we need to go profess him to the world. We need to go tell somebody, tell us, go tell your friend, go tell your mom, your dad, go tell your brother or your sister, tell somebody what you just did. And, um, and, and, and com- confess and profess God's word. And don't stop. Don't just stop with one person. Continually share God's truth with the world. All right. So, Bob, what do we do next with that? Well, we, uh, we share it with somebody, like you just said. If you're watching this podcast on YouTube, make sure you click the subscribe button and the little bell that uh, will, will alert you every time a new podcast comes up. You don't want to miss that. And then feel free to comment below um, just something you like about the show, if you have something you'd like to hear in the future, or if something just really touched you. But if, man, if you accepted Christ as your Savior, we would love to hear about that. So you can go to our website at... Uh, the riot uh, riotpodcast.co.co and go to know god and, and and tell us about it there or you can do it on uh, any of our social media platforms including youtube and facebook speaking of facebook man you can go there and just share your your thoughts and uh, man, every every week we have interesting discussions that pop up in there so we would love to hear from you tell us where you're from and but more importantly share it with somebody else so just hit that share button we would uh, really appreciate that and i promise you it's like just 
just a great way to bless somebody else. Yeah. So, man, we uh, we love you guys. We we pray for you on a weekly basis, and it's just our un, it's just our honor to be able to, to, uh, to bring these biblical truths to you. And uh, man, I know I don't know about you, Pete. I, oh, I do know, but I learned so much preparing for these shows, and uh, it's just a, it's a blessing to me to dig in and and learn uh, as as we get to then teach other people and share with other people what what we have learned that week. So this is this is awesome. It's been a great show, I think. It was awesome. I know there was a lot of meat in this. I know there was a little bit of confusion, maybe a little bit throughout, but I think the big picture definitely was landed. And I think people understand uh, what's going on in the Bible and what our role and our responsibility is. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Bye, guys. Be blessed. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot Podcast.